Welcome to the Happy Menopause podcast. I'm Jackie Lynch, nutritional therapist and author of the books Vavavoom, the 10-day energy diet and The Right Bite, smart food choices for eating on the go. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. So join me on a journey through midlife and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. It's February, Valentine's Day is approaching, and there's a lot of talk about love and sex out there. Which is all very well, but if your libido hasn't made an appearance in months, then there's very little chance that any bedroom action's on the cards. Low libido is one of those extra little gifts from the menopause which you might not have expected. As sex hormones start to decline, it can have a very real impact on your vavavoom, and there are lots of ways that this can affect you. Vaginal dryness might make sex too painful. You may lack body confidence. It's hard to feel desire for your partner if you're not feeling very desirable yourself. Fatigue or headaches, classic but very real excuses for saying no thanks to a nudge from your partner. Low mood, depression or anxiety will directly affect your motivation and all of the above could impact your relationship. So today's podcast is full of simple and practical advice to get your intimate life back on track, as I have a frank conversation with Tracy Cox, who's one of the world's foremost writers on sex and relationships. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Silk, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Their wonderful product is completely relevant to this episode, because one of the midlife symptoms we don't often talk about is vaginal dryness. It can be a real problem during the perimenopause and the menopause, causing itching, discomfort and painful sex. So I'd like to say a big thank you to them, not just for supporting this podcast, but for offering a gentle and natural solution for women with vaginal dryness. Silk's plant-based formula is made in New Zealand with kiwi vine gum extract, which is a natural lubricant. It's water-based and pH-friendly, so that it gently soothes vaginal dryness and irritation helping you rediscover your love life. It's available at all chemists and off the shelf in larger boot stores. Visit silk, S-Y-L-K, to order your free sample. And so on to today's episode. I'm completely thrilled that Tracy Cox has joined me today. She's just the woman we need for this subject because she's been writing, researching and talking about sex for 30 years and has toured the world as an international sex body language and relationship expert. Her multiple books include the best-selling Hot Sex, How to Do It, and her brand new book, Great Sex Starts at 50, How to Age-Proof Your Libido, simply has to be the go-to sex and relationship manual for women in midlife. So enough from me. Get your notebooks ready, girls. Let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Tracy. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Listen, it's really exciting to have you here today and can't wait to hear what you've got to say. And what I want to start out really is for you to tell the listeners a little bit about your story. I know you started out by studying psychology. So what inspired you to do that and and where did it go from there? I think I started out studying journalism, actually, because I always wanted to be a journalist. And then I discovered psychology at university. So kind of changed my degree to be a hybrid of both of them. And I think what really inspired me was that I had two things, really. I had a big sister who worked for family planning, who was constantly, you know, 
coming to me and saying, here, you know, giving me leaflets on how to use condoms when I hadn't even thought about the word sex, let alone having sex, and was always talking to me about sex, and which made me a bit of a little sex bird at my school, really. So so all my friends knew that my big sister worked at family planning, and they would come to me and say, well, can you ask your sister this? And can you ask your sister that? So I'd oh. usually trot off back to my sister. No, it started early then. It started really, really early. So I think that's where I learned to be unembarrassed talking about sex because of my sister Deb. And the other thing that happened that was quite significant was that when I was 15, my dad left my mum for another woman. And to me, looking in at that, it was very much a love and sex decision that he made. So I became quite fascinated with the forces of sex and love, um, which sort of inspired me to do more psychology. So I did the degree with um, journalism with psychology and in the end that's kind of become my career because I am a journalist that specializes in um, psychology most particularly the sex side of psychology so it sort of was in stone right from that very 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 beginning. Wow okay so it's almost like it was meant to be right from the beginning isn't it? It is with nominate determinism my name especially (laughs) Tracy Cox everyone says what's your real name it's like do you honestly think I would have come up with this? I would have come up with something more interesting than Tracy Cox if I was making it up. <laughs> Excellent. So let's start with your book then, Great Sex Starts at 50. What a fabulous title. Thank you. And of course, really very reassuring for the listeners because low libido can be a real issue for women in midlife for, for lots of different reasons. So yeah. why did you decide to write it? Well, I, this is actually my 17th book. Um, I've written lots of books about sex, but... Um, no one really has covered sex post 50 in the way that it needs to be covered now because 50 is very, very different than when I first started writing about sex, which was about three decades ago. So I've been writing about sex for an awfully long time. I think that we, I mean, 50 really is the new 40 in lots of ways. We look different. We are much more open about things now. You know, women are, you know, leaving relationships that they've had for a while and starting new relationships at 50. I mean, in the old days, 50 meant somebody with a tight perm, you know, a very stout, just, you know, just. Yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, Nigella Lawson is 60. You know, Jennifer Lopez is 50. It's completely different now. But. The other thing, the, the but is, is that even though this is the case, our bodies are still over 50. And unfortunately, our bodies haven't read the memo that 50 is the new 40. So we still have to go through menopause. We still have dry vagina. <laughs> yeah. Men's erections get wobbly. And, you know, our bodies don't feel as sexy or appealing. So there's a whole heap of stuff to navigate that we haven't before. The other thing is, when I hit 50, I, because I've been writing about sex and, and have quite a nice, lively libido, I was like, this isn't going to happen to me. I'll be fine. And then I hit 50 and it was like, oh, my God, what happened? And really I understood. And if I, you know, if it's going to happen to me with all this knowledge that I have after all this time and I sort of struggled a little bit with it, then I thought, well, there needs to be a really good practical book out there to help people through it. Perfect. And that's exactly what you've got here. So I know you did a lot of research and some interviews when when you were uh, working on the book. Were there any recurrent themes that came up? Um, I was actually really surprised. I got a lot of women to to fill in um, an online survey for me, as well as doing personal face-to-face interviews. And uh, I wasn't quite prepared for how depressing some of the answers were. There were so many women that complete body image was a massive, massive thing with lots of women. They didn't feel sexy. They didn't feel like they 
they almost didn't feel like sex was their right anymore. That, you know, well, sex isn't for somebody like me because I'm not fitting this image of what I thought think sexy should be, which I found quite shocking. And also, I, what else I was shocked about is the amount of couples, particularly healthy couples who have really good relationships, who just took sex off the table, just stopped having sex for whatever reason, never discussed it, even though they discussed everything else about their lives, and then just went on merrily ahead. And it's, it, I just, I just was absolutely shocked because some of these people I know intimately, and I was, I just was absolutely shocked that you could write off a whole big section of your life and not talk about it with your partner. And the other thing about sex is that it's incredibly good for you. You would know this being a nutritionist. It's, it's, it's very good at keeping things going. You know, it, it you know, alleviates anxiety, it cures depression, it helps your immune system with your sexual organs. It really is a case of use it or lose it. So it's not only for intimacy that you need to be having sex, it's actually for your health, you know, you need to be having sex, regular sex. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so true. Um, Christine Bird, who's a women's health physio, often says that she would put orgasms on prescription mm. uh, because the, the rush of blood that pumps the tissues can really help with the whole issues around vaginal dryness and so on. So uh, I, I think it's absolutely right. You don't need a partner either. I mean, if you're not having sex with somebody with your partner or you don't have a partner, have sex with yourself. You know, buy a sex toy, use a vibrator. Vibrators are fantastic for the genitals because, again, they bring what you're looking for is blood flow to the genitals for the actual health of your genitals. So anything that does that, and orgasm is absolutely spot on. You're quite right. That's when all the blood rushes to the genitals and engorges it and then releases. So this is fantastic for you, not to mention feels good. Yeah, absolutely. And we all need a bit of feel good at this stage in our lives. That is for sure. Now, you touched on body confidence a minute ago, and I think that's really interesting because... I know and I see that in my own clinic that it's something that really affects women of all ages, but it's a particular issue around the menopause. So what's your advice for for women who, who just don't feel sexy anymore? To really rethink sex. I mean, there's a right old rant for me in the book about how did we get to this ridiculous point where you know women youth is sort of attractive and and you know um, wrinkles aren't attractive. I know there's a biological thing and about you know reproduction and all that sort of stuff, but really, I mean, I know millions of people who, who many many women over the age of fifty who haven't gone down the Botox or the you know the other route of plastic surgery and who just look fantastic. They're way sexier. Like Isabel Luper is one person I can think of. She's like mid-60s. Actually, I think she has had surgery and she came out and admitted to it too. But, but I mean, I think, you know, people who have experience where, you know, their faces show character, these are the people who are the sexiest people. And I think we, we need to move past this whole thing that sexy equals thin, sexy equals young. Um, so you have to reinvent what's sexy when you when you're post fifty, you know, and stop aspiring to the same ideals that you did. I mean, experience is sexy, confidence is sexy. The way to boost your sexual esteem, they found with research, is actually not to go on a diet or take up. Well, actually, exercise is very good for you because of the blood flow. But the two things that made the most difference were to have sex and have it regularly, and to improve your sex skills. So the better your sexual skills, and the more you think you're great in bed, the sexier you feel. So it's those two things that are important, not actually your physical appearance. Mm, right. So it's it's having that confidence in yourself, ultimately, isn't it? It is. And to get that confidence in yourself, particularly in terms of sexiness, it is have regular sex, be great in bed. 
Honestly, that was the other thing with all these questionnaires that the women um, sent me. It was a very strong thing that the women who felt like they were great in bed, like I'm a great lover, you know, yes, I'm terrific at doing this and doing that. They were the ones that had the best body confidence. The two are definitely linked. Mm. So what about the women who think, think they're not great in bed or who doubt their skills? What do you say to them? Well, you have to, like anything else, you do some research and you hone up on your skills. I mean, sex is not something that comes naturally. It really isn't. It's something that you need to work at. We work at every other area of our life. But when you say to people, actually, maybe you need a few tips on how to give great oral sex, or maybe you don't feel confident giving a hand job, or maybe you need to look up. And, you know, it's all a technique. It's all join the dot stuff. You know, there are millions. In, in my books, I've got so many practical step-by-step guides that you can use to give yourself confidence. So if you're not confident, research it, you know, and and sort of, you know, just have a very proactive thing. Don't just sit back and let your sex life wash past you because it will. You need to sort of get out there and take positive action towards it. And same goes with body confidence. Right. My goodness, that's really sound advice. Brilliant. One of the other, of course, challenges with with midlife is once the estrogen starts to drop and you have that whole sense of the reproductive hormones are no longer ruling your life, that's when a lot of women start to question things in midlife, question themselves, their relationships, their work and so on. And there's a, a one of the chapters in your book is called, I love my partner, but don't want to have sex with them anymore. And I think that will chime with a lot of women. I mean, first of all, what, what, what's your view on why the lack of desire can become an issue in some relationships? And and is there a solution? Well, first of all, this doesn't just happen with postmenopausal women. It happens at any age because the whole the whole premise that we build this whole view of love and sex is actually wrong because we think of sex and love as sort of very easy bedfellows and that you know you you should if you find the right person then you'll be fancying them forevermore. That is not true. Mother Nature has no interest in us actually staying with somebody past say ten years once you've had the kids and grown up. Not interested at all. So and what happens? Happens is the things that attract us to uh, to make us love somebody, which is security and uh, a certain amount of routine, safeness, does not feed the erotic part of the relationship, which thrives on danger. It thrives on you know not knowing what's going to happen. It thrives on newness and and sort of uncomfortable sensations. So you, we have this battle in that all couples go through, where it's like, oh my god. I really, you know, don't lust after my partner. I can, I can have like nice sex with them, but I don't really have that <laughs> passionate, lusty sex with my partner that I do, that I had in the beginning or that I have for, you know, John who works in accounts because I don't know him very well. Um, so it's a dilemma that we all have. So you, in a sense, we all have to choose between a fantastic sex life and a fantastic love life. And what usually happens, most people opt for love because to keep that sort of sex to that that level than it is when you first meet someone and it's really passionate is just too difficult. You have to just create, I mean, you almost have to not get too close to your partner. There's something called the sibling effect, which affects all couples and particularly couples who've been together for a long, long time where you almost start to feel like brother and sister. And I think any couple who've been together long term will relate to that. So you've got to really challenge that and get yourself, almost say to yourselves, right, we're going to have sex now. We're, we're going to like not call right. each other those pet names. We're, and this is where role play comes into its own with something like that, with how to win back the desire for your partner, is putting yourself into characters that aren't, 
good old, you know, like in my case, good old Tracy and good old Mel's my husband. I mean, we you really have to force yourself out of those roles. But the first thing I want to say about that is it's really normal to lose desire for your partner. It usually doesn't mean that you've made the wrong choice. It doesn't mean that you're just friends with your partner. It just means that desire goes. There's no function for desire long term. So it's completely normal. And I think that if we accept that and we stop falling for this media image of, you know, in like for instance, that program called Dr. Foster. Did you watch that? I did, yeah, yeah. I know the one you mean. There's a scene in there where you've got a couple who've been together at least 10 years, at least 10 years. They just wake up, she walks past him in her, you know, little sexy little nighty or something, and he's ripping her clothes off. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to It just really doesn't happen. And yet people watch that and they go, well, that doesn't happen to me. So there's something wrong with my relationship. There is usually nothing wrong with your relationship. The other thing that we have to move on to uh, move away from is desire isn't the only motivation to have sex. We think we have it in our heads. Well, I shouldn't be having sex unless I absolutely feel like it. Well, actually, you should be having sex to make your partner happy. You should be having sex for health reasons. There are lots of reasons why we should be having sex. And desire, this whole holistic idea, it's it's. it's immature and it's idealistic to think that that is the only reason that you should have sex with your partner so the answer the short answer to that question is i love my partner don't want to have sex with them anymore welcome to the club it's really normal so which makes you think about it so you feel more comfortable you sort of think oh okay this is normal and everybody's dealing with it but just not talking about it then you relax into it and then you look for other ways of like okay maybe we should try a bit of role play okay let's try and push ourselves out of our comfort zone and start doing something that's going to wake us up again, something naughty, something the more erotic and naughty, the better. Even if it's like go online and look at some porn or, you know, just something that you don't normally do that feels like, oh, we're doing something really naughty here or something that's a bit, you know, erotic or something we don't normally do. That's the trick. Right. So no need to go nuclear. The first thing to do really is to look and see how you can liven things up, wake things up. Yeah, and there are lots of things. I mean, I've got a whole chapter on this with small steps you can take, which, you know, because all couples are different. I mean, what's, you know, one person's, you know, idea of adventure is, you know, having sex with the lights on and somebody's idea of adventure or not even adventurous is going to a swingers club. So I've got various levels of little things you can do to just push yourselves out of your comfort zone a bit that that most people would feel um, comfortable with. So there's lots of suggestions in there. That's great because I I do think that obviously everybody's at a different level and some people are much more comfortable talking about this stuff than others. And if you've got that step-by-step approach, then that means that there's there's something for everyone because it's not a one-size-fits-all, is it? No, it's not. And the other thing uh, that I've uh, put in the book is it's very much a case of, look, lots of women get to post 50. I mean, on one hand, it had to appeal to two lots of demographic. On one hand, you've got women who often rediscover sex after 50. Often, you know, their long-term partner dies, they're out there again, and things have changed, you know. And they're suddenly like, wow, I didn't know you could get up to this. And suddenly they're having orgasms for the first time. So you have women who are sort of you know, looking for new challenges and who have rediscovered their libido and they've got this sort of midlife wanderlust and they're really up for adventures. On the other hand, you have some women who get to the age of 50 or 60 and think, you know what, 
I actually don't want to have sex anymore. It's too painful for me. I don't actually like it. So I'm just going to draw a line underneath that. But they want to keep their partner. So there is lots in there on, you know, for both sets of people or both sets of women on how to, you know, if you don't want to have sex anymore, how to navigate that with your partner, how to how to come up with some solutions, how to, you know, maybe look for some, there's some wiggle room in there. And so it's trying to keep, you know, we all have different needs and wants. And so this book is, isn't just for people who want to have really hot sex. It's for people who don't want to have sex at all either and how to keep their relationship good without sex. Mm. Well, that sounds like really important advice. And, I mean, you touched on uh, painful sex just now. And, of course, that's that can be a real issue for, for women in midlife. And I think perhaps some of the women listening to, to this and thinking, use it or lose it, well, that's all very well, but but it hurts. And of course, if vaginal dryness is making sex painful, then without doubt that's going to affect your libido. So what would your advice be for, for women who are really struggling with vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy and the issues that that, that, that brings? Well, um, on a medical side, number one, see your doctor because there are, there are loads of solutions. And don't be fobbed off with the advice that just using good lube is all you need because that is not all you need, especially if you're post-50 and post-menopausal. Personally, I found um, vaginal pessaries, estrogen pessaries, absolute life changer. It completely changed it for me, but I know that lots of people can't necessarily do that. Um Obvious things are to use lots of lube, good quality lube before penetration. But also remember that you don't have to have penetrative sex. We need to move away from this idea that sex equals intercourse. It doesn't. Sex, you can have absolutely brilliant sex without intercourse. And of course, most women don't have their orgasms through penetration anyway. So you can take penetration off the table completely. And if you focus more on oral sex or foreplay, you know, your amount of orgasms are going to go up. So of course, trying to explain this to men is another story who, who tend to have in their heads that penetration is everything. But if penetration is so much of a problem that you just cannot do it, it's too painful and it's completely putting you off sex, say to your partner, look, this is the story. I can't have penetrative sex anymore because it really hurts, but I still want to have sex with you. So I'm up for oral sex. I'm up for doing this. I'm up for doing that. There's tons of stuff you can do without having penetration. Um, the other things you can do to help, though, if you want to continue with penetration, is number one, use a Kegel training kit because the better your pelvic floor muscles, the better um your um, vaginal atrophy, I mean, the less likely your vagina is to atrophy. So do your Kegel, your pelvic floor muscles and using a pelvic kit, which is just a silicone ball that you insert and squeeze around also helps. Change the way your partner thrusts is another really interesting thing you can do. That old fashioned thrusting of just thrusting in and out hurts. So instead of doing that, Keep your hips close and just and keep your pelvises really close. Don't pull away and move in a circular motion. This is, can be a game changer for for men and women, like people. Sorry, but particularly for women because it doesn't hurt like that. And if you can convince men that you know feels great their end, then that's one problem solved. Wow, that, that's great. And presumably, this is something you cover in the book in more detail as well. Absolutely. There's a whole big section on painful sex because it is such a big problem for women. It really is. And I would absolutely endorse what you're saying about going to seek advice because um, you know, topical estrogen can make a huge difference to what's going on with your vagina. And if you are struggling with, with dryness of any form and for those people who are worrying about HRT or feeling that they don't want to take HRT, 
because of the, the potential risks associated with that for certain women. It is worth knowing that the British Menopause Society are very clear on this, that the, the potential risks that may be associated with um, HRT is not the same, not at all the same as with um, topical estrogen. So it might be something you still want to, to look into for sure, along with um, a good lubricant, as you've suggested. The other thing, of course, to think about here is your is your nutrition, the nutrition side of things, because ultimately it's tissue and our tissue dries all over our body as our estrogen drops. You know, our skin becomes drier and, and the vagina is no exception. Um, and so just simple things around your diet to make sure that you're keeping your skin well lubricated. If you're not hydrating yourself properly, then there's no doubt that that is going to add to your, your vaginal dryness. If you're not eating enough in the way of, of fat, and, and fat is something that often becomes the enemy for a lot of women, they assume that eating fat will make them fat. And biochemically, that's not really how it works. Um, you know, having foods that contain essential fatty acids, things like nuts and seeds, oily fish, avocado, they all contain the essential fats, omega-3, that can really support the, the structure of the skin and the integrity of the skin. And then something else really simple you can do is you just eat more vegetables because vegetables are quite the best source of vitamin C out there. You know, oranges, yeah, okay, but most vegetables contain about three times as much vitamin C per 100 grams. And we need vitamin C to create collagen. And of course, collagen is what keeps our skin plump and elastic. And that's what we want our vaginal tissues to be. So we can help ourselves from a number of different angles here. Absolutely. I totally agree with that because um, I'm, I'm totally addicted to roasted broccoli at the moment. I'd never, I didn't even know you could roast broccoli, and now I just roast broccoli. I think I would have it morning, noon, and night. Quite frankly, it's just, yeah. it's just delicious. Broccoli is just best. And uh, yeah. when I, when I was um, doing my nutrition training, they used to say if you don't know the answer to a question in an exam, just put broccoli because it'll probably be right. <laughs> um, you know, broccoli is full of so many different things. It's it's brilliant for you. So. You know, you heard it here first, eat more broccoli. Yeah, I'm addicted to the right food then. Excellent. You see, you're a natural. Okay, the other thing I, I sort of wanted to have a little look at here was um, the whole issue around um, low mood and anxiety, because I think they're some of the most underestimated symptoms of the, the perimenopause and the menopause. And of course, if you're feeling low and you're feeling anxious, that's inevitably going to impact your, your libido. What do you think is, is sort of the best way to get in the mood if you're really not in the mood? Um, I think that we I think we need to move away, first of all. It's get your head right in the first place. Don't assume that you're suddenly going to be in the mood because of all the hormones that make you automatically in the mood have gone or they've sort of trickled under the door pretty much. So you have to take responsibility for it. Now, most people can get in the mood if they read erotica, if they look at some erotica online, if they, you know, you, you know yourself what your what your erotic turn-ons are. If you don't know, start keeping an erotic diary. Try reading a book and just, just you know, I mean, look at Fifty Shades of Grey, for instance. That was absolutely an extraordinary yeah. phenomenon for older women. And what that did, it was before that came out, whether you love it or not, it doesn't really matter, but before that came out, it was kind of cool to go, oh, sex, yeah, well, we haven't had that for ages. Who has sex these days? Suddenly that book came out. Because it wasn't your average type of sex, it was it was sort of really quite 
dangerous erotic sex and pushed the boundaries completely and it sort of spoke to all those being you know caveman fantasies of being thrown on the bed middle-aged women who hadn't had a sexual thought for years were suddenly waking up their partners in the middle of the night and who were quite astonished not to do with their own issues they're like dodgy erections <laughs> but um, so most those women if you said to this soul do you ever feel like sex no i never feel like sex well that book turned around many people so erotica whether that's visual erotica online or whether that is reading a good book like 50 shades or some other book which appeals to you there are plenty of classic erotic novels you can read and they're all in, the, in my book as well try that first because i think that really does work for women and also don't be prudish about pornography because there is plenty of pornography now that's made by women for women you'd be amazed what's out there there's some very beautiful videos out there it might be as simple as having time like saying to your partner okay yeah i will be um, in, in the mood for sex later but I need time for a bath and how about you give me a massage first like think about what you need and don't be scared to say okay you want sex well then you get me in the mood I want some oral sex first or I want you to you know just whatever it is that you need ask for it and so just don't wait for it to happen because it's not going to happen if you wait you need to make it happen again you need to pro- be proactive and know what your triggers are that's just really great advice. And of course, one of the brilliant things about, or certainly that I find about being over 50 is that I'm just all around far more confident about saying what I want about about yeah. anything, really. Um, so I think we need to apply that to our sex lives as well and just be really clear about what's needed. I mean, there's so many good things about sex after 50. And this came through very strongly in the questionnaires where, where women were far less, I mean, we're all about pleasing men. I think this is changing now, but I don't know whether it really is, to be honest. I think women are all always been about pleasing men and you know we have lots of sex to please men that doesn't necessarily please us and I think once you get to 50 and over you're like you know what sort of I'm not going to do this anymore this needs to be about we're less worried about his orgasm and more worried about our orgasm and like hang on that doesn't feel good I don't want to do that and but I do want to do this and in fact I've always wanted to do that and I don't care if you're going to judge me because you know this whole I mean this is the other thing that's good we're in a great time at the moment that female sexuality is certainly changed you know we're not these uptight Victorian types that everybody you know thought women were that never were by the way they never ever were like that and I think there's this whole embracing that you know yeah women why my god women love sex as much as men do but here's the thing women need more interesting sex than men this is the other thing that's turned it all on its head it used to be that you know you would think that women were the ones that wanted the you know sex on Saturday night's missionary position their libido flattens out so quickly men can cope with men could do that forever they still get off on it women don't women need interesting sex for yeah. our libidos to stay high so it's far more important for us to women to be trying those new erotic things pushing themselves out of their boundaries than it is for men so it's completely the opposite but I think you know if you've been in a relationship for a long, long time, it might be, you know, the time to say to your partner, you know what, we're in a real rut here. How about we both write down three things that we'd really like to try? Get the book, my book, it's got hundreds of um, examples where you can go, and even if you're too embarrassed to say it, you can go, how about we do this? Look, read this bit. This sounds quite good. What do you think? And just see what happens. You can reinvent your set life at 50 with somebody you've been with for decades. You just have to give it a try. Brilliant. Well, um, I think this book is absolutely amazing. When's it coming out? I think that's what the listeners want to know right okay, now. It's out on February 6th um, in, uh, in the UK and Australia and New Zealand. And then it's out in different territories um, later on in the year. 
Well, I'll be putting a link to that on the show notes in any case on my website, so people will be able to find that. But in the meantime, because you've you've referenced some of your earlier books, and I know you do a lot of writing, so where can people find you and where can people find your advice? Because it's such valuable advice, I think they need it straight away. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Well, my website is Tracy, with an E, T-R-A-C-E-Y-C-O-X.com. I also do a weekly um, radio show on Jack Radio. Um, it's a digital station, so you just type in Jack Radio and you can access that either as a show, you can listen to it live or you can access it later as a podcast. It's called The Tracy Cox Show and you can listen to that on Spotify or anywhere else. Um, I do a column with the mail online um, every Wednesday so you can find my stuff there um, and most of my books are on Amazon well all of my books are on Amazon that are still in print um, like I said I've written 17 so it's rather a lot so I think there's at least seven or seven or eight that you can probably still get um, and most and my se- oh I do a sex toy range as well including which I need to mention actually I've just launched a range called my soft feel range which is for women over the age of 50 or for women who find sex painful so they're super soft squidgy toys that are all designed to help make um, keep your genitals in good nick and to sort of um, combat all the problems that I've been talking about and you will find those on my website or on lovehoney.co.uk um, so that's just spelled as it sounds so there's lots of ways you can contact me actually and on Twitter I'll be sure to put links to your website the Love Honey website and your social media on the show notes so everyone can get it at the click of a right. button um, this has been amazing now before we go I always ask um, all my guests to come up with their top two tips. Now, that's going to be tough because you've come up with tons of great tips already. But if you had to choose two tips um, for women over 50, what would you give it? What would you say? Um, Number one would have to be use it or lose it because it really is the case. If you're not having sex with your partner, have it with yourself and explore sex toys because that is one of the best ways to keep your um, genitals um, in good nick. And also I think the other one would probably be let your partner know that the sex you want now isn't the sex you wanted when you were younger. Like tell them why, explain why, don't try and hide it. And then tell them of course what you do want. So let them know what you don't want anymore and what you do want, what you would like to try. Brilliant. That's been absolutely amazing. Tracy, thanks so much. I think we're going to need to listen to this podcast several times to pick up on all those tips. Um, And I know people are going to want to look at the book as soon as it's available. So brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I know I say wow a lot when I'm talking to my guests, but I'm going to say it again. Just wow. Isn't she brilliant? There's so much useful information there that your head's probably spinning. I absolutely love the way Tracy's so frank and matter-of-fact about it all. And I hope you found it reassuring that whatever challenges you're facing in the bedroom, you're not alone and there are solutions. If you'd like to find out more about Tracy's books and her other work, head on over to the podcast pages on my website, well-well-well.co.uk, where you'll find all the links you need in the resources section of the show notes for this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a star rating and a review on Apple iTunes or whatever platform you listen on, and make sure you tell all your friends. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word, because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.